Hello, this is Leona Graham and welcome to a very special episode of the Rock and Road podcast. Cars, motorcycles and music. Although today's episode is just music. Because I recently interviewed Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi. Now, some of the audio was used as various different clips on social media and on my radio shows. And when that happens, things can be taken out of context. So I thought it was important for you all to hear the whole chat as it happened in a special episode of the Rock and Road podcast and I talked to Richie about being a jacket potato in the TV show The Masked Singer how he chose the costume how the secrecy is maintained on the show we talked about the song Living on a Prayer the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame him and John and how they're getting on well at the moment whether there's going to be a tour with Bon Jovi whether there's going to be any new songs with Bon Jovi we talked about his solo work and more so please have a listen now to my chat with Richie Sambora last month this is the Rock and Roll podcast Please welcome Richie Sambora. Jack Potato! <laughs> What's happening? Potato is the key word at the moment, isn't it? It seems to be. It's fantastic. So, what was it like being a potato on a TV show? A freaking potato, I know. You know what? Hey, look, I love to sing, man, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think I'm predominantly known as the guitar player guy in Bon Jovi and this and that and the other thing. And uh, so it was great to me to get out there. And, you know, hey, I've done like five solo albums now and stuff like that. But uh, I had a great time, man, singing out there. You know, I used to be the wedding singer when I was a kid. (laughs) I really did. And I really enjoyed uh, learning those songs and singing those songs and playing them. And I used to, when I used to do the weddings, I used to have to stroll like... When, because uh, I joined the musicians' union, does that exist anymore? For God's sake, I don't even know. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> and so they would make me on the break stroll the tables and take requests. It was really good training. It is, isn't it? Went from everywhere, from you know, doing like uh, Frank Sinatra to Judas Priest. You know what I'm saying? So it was like awesome. Who could have prepared you to sing inside a potato costume, though? Me. <laughs> what was it like inside there? Is it is it hot and sweaty? Is it yeah. claustrophobic? I'm not claustrophobic, but it. Uh, I'll show you when we can talk about. It. But anyway, it's <laughs> like huge. Like so, when you look at the this big ass head, um, I was my eyes were the mouth. Uh, oh, okay. Right, so that's how big this okay, thing was. Okay, yeah, like eight feet, mm-hmm. and the costume was quite cumbersome. So. Uh, it was a challenge, man. But uh, you know what? I kicked some ass. It was a lot of fun. You sure did. Did you get any say on the actual costume type? Or were you just told? Uh, uh, yes. No, I actually... They showed me uh, many different costumes. And uh, I just thought that uh, Jacket Potato looked like a club singer. <laughs> no, he looked like a lounge singer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... They, I mean, they said, would you uh, consider a female kind of thing? I said, hey, the show is not really a competition show, right? It's about, it's more about like, on food and you don't lie, man. You know, that kind of thing. So, and since I love all different kind of genres of music, I just would, hey, what do you want me to do? It was great. I had a chance to do, you know, I mean, the songs I sang were well-written songs, big mm-hmm. hit songs. So it was a lot of fun. How secret is your identity in that program? Do you have to hide from all the presenters? Oh, my God. You, nobody knows nothing. Really? It's a paramilitary activity. <laughs> no, I swear to God, it's out in Bovington. 
and they put you in these like holding pens and you have to wear like uh, this big mirrored mask and like a, a whole thing you got to wear black gloves and they give you a, a black hoodie that says please don't talk to me and wow. so nobody knows who I never knew anybody on the show that is so you didn't even know your fellow singers oh absolutely not wow no it's, I at first I was going like how the hell are they pulling this off especially with the audience right yeah because um you know when you unmask they clear the audience out oh do they oh yeah there's nobody there because so then the, they would because it's pre-taped right yeah yeah so you know we finished it before christmas so you've had to keep it secret all this time yeah yeah and they clear the audience out oh so they can't tell anyone either no because they don't know yeah because they don't know either i mean we don't know the judges don't know there's like a couple producers that know the people that help you get dressed because you can't do it yourself because of it, it's so cumbersome man i mean it's like <laughs> i mean they had to like walk me out there i had to learn how to do it i was wearing boxes and shoes my crotch was almost down by my ankles <laughs> i don't know if you saw the costume man it's like nutty and then uh you know thank god that they had the monitors and stuff like that together and uh uh, music director was fantastic, and uh, I mean, I had, I had a ball, man. I really, really had a good time because it was a, you know. I remember when I first came to London, which was the first country outside of America that I ever been, right? Because huge Beatles fan, Rolling Stones. I mean, everybody that was coming through here, man, was amazing, you know. And um, it was just like, you know, coming to London was like the biggest thing. And I felt so comfortable, and we got so embraced here by everybody. I mean, you know, I went to the Brits the other night and walked into the O2, and, you know, everybody's giving me, like, hey, yeah. <laughs> and then I go, hey, that's right, I sold out 20 nights here in a row and uh, one year, you know, because we were playing stadiums predominantly for about 30 years at that point. So. What year was it that you first came to London then? Uh, 84. 84. Maybe so 83. I don't know. Get it back then. No, no, no. It's pretty slippery when wet then. Very pretty slippery when wet. Uh, the, uh, yes, it wasn't wet, actually. <laughs> it was 7,800 Nothing was wet. It was, it was slippery when dry. Yeah. <laughs> so they mentioned in the program a billion views for uh, YouTube, Living on a Prayer. When you wrote that song, or when you finished that song, did you have any idea it would be so huge? No, but I knew it was the best song we've written to that point. And uh, I remember, and John used to tell the story on stage all the time, I was late for the writing session, so I needed a prayer. And uh, we were working with Desmond at that point, and they were pissed off at me, you know. And I actually was in the studio doing a good deed, helping a guy for free. He needed to finish a record in 24 hours. You know, yeah, and so I was helping him, and then I got into the Lincoln Tunnel, and somebody got stuck, and I was turning green and throwing up and doing all this stuff. Then it's raining in New York, and I couldn't find a parking place, so I was completely late. But um, my uncle and my dad both got laid off at that particular point in time, so I just let's use uh, you know my uncle's uh, my uncle's name was Sal, 
You know what I mean? So I'm not going to use that name. So we just uh, changed names to protect the innocents, and that was the first time actually we used characters in the song. And it really worked out great because there's a song, everybody has been through that circumstance. Let's face it. You and know, you used those characters later on, didn't you? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> Tommy <laughs> <Absolutely>. and Gina. <laughs> hey, yeah, well, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're allowed to steal from yourself with it. What made you use a talk box? I probably was the, one of the only cats in Jersey that was wanted to stick a tube in his mouth. and It's not... You know, it's a very phallic symbol, put it that way. <laughs> you know, but I did it very well. You know, I thought that Frampton was great. I thought that Walsh was great. And a lot of other people did it too. But um, when I suggested that, I actually wrote that lick on bass, right? And I said, talk box. And I looked at Bob Rock, who I'm working with now on my new stuff. And that's coming out soon. And... Um, I said, Bob, we got to make this nasty. So we put it through like a high watt and a Marshall and just, just drove it. And, and uh, basically the idea about the talk box is it shuts the sound from going through the speaker and takes it from the head into a driver, into a tube, into your mouth. So your teeth are shaking like yeah. crazy, you know what I mean? And I, I was running it hot, you know, at that time. So, but... Hey, look what happened. I mean, it was uh, a huge song. It know? was, that's an understatement. It was a, and it's still going. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things that, it's a forever song. It is a forever song. We play it on uh, several of our radio stations. Uh, absolute Radio, Absolute 80s, Absolute Classic Rock. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it. You know, I mean, it's really perpetuating in this song. And people love to sing along with it. And it still works for the new generation because I DJ in pubs and clubs uh, people who are in their 20s and play that song. It's a floor filler every time. Oh, man. I mean, you go to a park and somebody starts singing it and next thing you know, you've got 5,000 people singing it in the park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you know what? Hey, the world is having some problems right now and there's a lot of people out there living on a prayer, especially with COVID and everything that was happening there, you know? So it just has relevancy and it's actually, you know, it's just telling a story about two people trying to make it in this world, and uh, that's what we're all doing. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Absolute 80s, one of our big stations. Um, what other songs from the 80s do you particularly like that you wrote or played on? Me? Yeah. Well, everything that I did, I think, I <laughs> kind of liked a lot. But, you know, it's interesting when you're a songwriter and you write for someone else, you don't have the chance to drive it. You know, we went out and worked real hard. We did radio every day. We did print every day, you know. It was just on TV every day, and then we became the MTV darlings and all that stuff, which was, man, that was that was killer, you know. Yeah. But then, you know, the last tour I did with the band was uh, 52 countries in 18 and a half months. And... uh I dare you to name 52 countries. Yeah. Man, you well, know? I couldn't. You know? <laughs> but it was like one of those things is like, when it starts to roll like that, and it's not stopping, I'm like going, let's go break new territory and stuff like that. And, you know, probably I was one of the only people that was single at that point in the band. <laughs> so you had a good time. <laughs> so I, yeah, damn good time. Yes. <laughs> rock and roll was still rock and roll back then. 
in uh, talking of rock and roll, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You did that in 2018. And what was that like? It's fantastic, you know. I mean, John was pissed off all the time because he he felt that we didn't get in soon enough. I said, I think it's just going to be a matter of time, you know. And I think it is that way uh, for everybody. And uh, yeah, we just didn't have the uh, in America. The vibe wasn't the same as it was basically everywhere else in the world. Oh, really? Know? I don't know why that was. I just like I think maybe I don't know. Maybe grunge came in a little bit. And things like that happen, and uh, Americans are man fickle, man. Well, we just love you more just, here. There's just too many, too much stuff coming out yeah. at the same time. Where you know, Britain is the size of New Jersey, right? Really? Yeah. You know, and it's like when we first came here, I was like, I fell in love. I'm pleased to hear that. It's true because I mean, you know, every everything I listened to was from here, for God's sakes, yeah. and uh, and they were. At you know, I'm a kind of a blues guy, so they were really perpetuating the blues here. I mean, the Rolling Stones were doing the same, as they did pop too, but, you know. You performed with Bon Jovi at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, and will you be performing with them again? I think so, you know, we're talking about it. I don't think there's any reason not to That's at this good. point. I think right now, you know what, I think I made the decision... Um, when I started to work here in London about the last uh, six months, you know, I uh, hooked up with Hypnosis and Merc Mercuriatus and uh, we started to work together and I started to write with other artists and then making my own records and now I'm saying to myself, how am I going to like ignite this? Let's put on a potato head. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, is that how bad the music business has now got? You know what I mean? You know, it's well, true. it's very TV orientated, I must admit. Well, yeah, I, you know, yes, it is. But it, it has is. brought you to a new generation. You know, my son wanted to come with me today. He's nine years old. But you should have brought him. <laughs> I would have brought a potato or something. I don't know. Um, so the word I, is... I had a blast, man. You, you will be performing with Bon Jovi again. Yeah, you know, we're talking about it and... Um, you know, John was having a hard time with his voice a little bit there, and it was, he needed to take a little bit of a breather. So, know? are you getting on well with John at the moment? I get along. You know, I, I have. There's no malice. I mean, we did something. There was not a lot of bands that did what we did. You know, I mean, obviously, some like the Rolling Stones and you know Pink Floyd and U2 and stuff like that. You know, and now it's like. Um, Jesus, Taylor Swift, what's going on there? She's breaking, uh, breaking, breaking Ticketmaster down and stuff like that. Beyonce and uh, you know, so it's it's widening like that, you know. And it's but the ticket prices are getting crazy, and I think people are complaining about that. I think nowadays. Do you think you might do any festivals with Bon Jovi this year? We never really had to do festivals because. We went from, like, shit to Shinola. We went from playing arenas, then the next thing you know, we were just... When we did the O2, when we did those 20 nights at the O2, I was doing an interview, and uh, the guy reminded me, he said, the last time you were in uh, indoors in, in Europe was 19, you know, 88. You know, you play, we played Wembley Arena or something like that. And... um we didn't even think about it, man. But you know, and it was like that everywhere else, really, but America. But there was pockets in America that we did do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
And you mentioned your solo career. I did actually interview you in 2018 as well. Um, and we which, talked about which your album. Um, well, Aftermath of Lowdown was 2012, wasn't it? But I remember us talking about that album quite a lot. You know um, what? Man, that album, you know what? I decided to go independent on that record. And not that, uh, you know, I basically did what I wanted to anyway with uh, my solo albums because I think I was paying for it with the Bon Jovi records kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I was always kind of like switching genres and doing stuff like that. But that record was a real lot of fun. I thought there were some amazing songs on that record. And I got a chance to work with Bernie Taupin for the first time, which is... Uh, it doesn't work with a lot of people. So what's next? Have you got a new album coming out? Got a new one coming out probably at the end of the end of March or the beginning of April. And with Bob Rock. Oh, and great. it's it's a rock record. Yeah, it's a lot of fun and the the songs are good and I'm I'm thrilled, man. I can't wait to get out and play again. So I don't know when John's gonna get his voice together and that's gonna happen, but if we got, got, we have to get out there and do it for the fans, really. I feel it's like an obligation. I've had such a privilege and an opportunity. And, and, and this is not bullshit, you know. I mean, it's really the truth. It's like, my life is pretty good. Always has been. I get to do what I love to do for a living, and it's a damn good living, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, you know, I've, I never really stopped, really. Yeah, you haven't stopped at all. That's, at that's all. true. Because you mean, brought you know, loads of solo albums out. We were not, I mean, we were crazy, man. I mean, we mm. would tour for... Well, we had... Uh, after, when I left, we had the two biggest tour... One of the three biggest back-to-back -back world tours in history. Rolling Stones were first. Grateful Dead, believe it or not, were number two. And we were number three. And one was 16 and a half months. And one was 18 and a half months. And I'm the guy to see it through from the beginning. So you write the song, and then I'm in the studio 24-7 every day. I go to mastering. Then you do a press tour for a month, do 20 countries in a month. And then it's uh, 16 and a half months or 18 and a half months tour. Yeah. You miss a lot of life. You yeah. come home, people are dead. Yeah. They're divorced. The kids are up. Uh, the kids have know, all like, grown up. It's, like, it's like really <laughs> wild, man, you know? So, so, do you think you might write some more music with Bon Jovi as well as your solo stuff? Oh, if he doesn't let me, he's crazy. I'm on a tear, you know? So, I, actually, you know, I did write that other stuff too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's a misnomer when people go, just because the name is on, you know, that's the name. We just couldn't think of anything else, really. At well, yeah, point. because in the program you mentioned a pairing, so everybody knows that it's you and John who are writing, composing everything. Oh, yeah. I hope. I mean, but they don't, people think that, you know, I just come up with the guitar parts and something like that. But uh, songwriting is, is conceptual. You know, you have to have a concept. It's a story. Mm -hmm. And they, you, it, sometimes it comes from looking out the window and observing. And a lot of times it comes from your own life and... For the most part of Bon Jovi, my life was a lot colorful than everybody else's in the band. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a lot to write about. <laughs> uh, always, you know. Always, that's, that's yeah, you know. And it's like, um, and then you grow up and you get wisdom and you have children and you do things like that. And that gives you a different perspective. And then you go back and uh, review your own childhood. and That gives you a different perspective also. But it's... Uh, 
it's about having fun too, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there seems like there's a, sometimes there's a mediocre, uh, wave that's going on, you know. And if you don't stick in that thing, you know, give me Led Zeppelin, baby. You know. Well, we can't wait to hear a song about a potato. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I'd love to put out a covers record after that. That would be another thing. Yeah, that'd be good do. fun. Really good fun because I, I mean. I think I did a pretty good job. Uh, I had so much fun doing it. And lugging around that big old head was, yeah. you know, kind of crazy. Well, it's great to catch up with you. Can't wait to hear the new solo work and possibly see you on tour with Bon Jovi. And thank you very much, Richie Sambora. I will come back and play it for you, darling. So that was my chat with Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi and it was great to talk to him, such a friendly guy. At the end of the interview, I brought up my son again and said, look, could he just do his autograph for him? Now, all of the PR people and all of his agents and press people were saying, look, we need to leave now because uh, the car's waiting outside, you've got to be somewhere else. And he just completely ignored them and wrote Dexter this beautiful signature, could have just been his name, but he wrote him a little letter. And Richie asked me lots of questions about Dexter uh, is he into music? What music's he into? Does he play any instruments? And I answered all these questions. Then he wrote Dexter a little letter. And it was just beautiful that he did that and spent that time doing that for my son. And it just really touched me. And I thought, Richie, you are a decent bloke. So whatever anybody says, please give him the time of day. He's a really nice guy. And I really hope he does get back together with Bon Jovi pretty soon. If he does, I'll let you know. Please listen to me on my podcast, the Rock and Roll podcast, and on my radio shows on Apple. Absolute Radio, Absolute Classic Rock and Absolute 80s. Well, thank you for listening. Please feel free to listen to some of my previous interviews from the likes of Brian May, Slash, Brian Adams and many, many more on the Rock and Road podcast. Also, follow me on the socials at Rock and Road Pod and also at Leona Graham DJ. And lastly, please like, rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. This has been the Rock and Road Podcast. (laughs) 